Get inside and lock your doors. Close your windows. There's something in the fog. Meteor ship. Some folks have a strange idea entertaining. They're dead, but they're coming right for us. You're gonna need a bigger boat. Welcome to the February edition of the Spooky Picture Show. My name is Melanie Mullen. And I'm Chris McGibbon. And I'm Michael Felcher. And I'm Kevin Ellis. Let's get ready to talk about some spooky romance. Yes, spooky romance, because February is the month of love. It sounds creepy every time you say that. I know. (laughs) I'm going to keep saying it. It's not a great year. holiday, but it's not a great holiday, but we do have some no, it's movies. A, it's a le- shitty holiday. It's very yeah. dumb, but it's, it's just, yeah. at least we have some, you know, mediocre films to, to watch to yeah. go along with it. <laughs> hey, well, that's a great way to promote this. Oh, yeah. that's great. Well, what do you want me to say? It's not like I, it's not like I ever re, I just not, I don't revisit these movies very often. Like it's just, none of them are that good in my opinion. Mel is not wow. built for love, nor is she built for romance or affection. She's basically a cactus. <laughs> <laughs> so. Especially when I don't shave my legs. Oh, Lord. Um, well, I actually, I, I, I am not. That's a right. There's a woman on the show now. And she's so spunky. Yeah, line up, guys. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, Bigfoot's a coming. Um. <laughs> <laughs> there she blows. <laughs> Surprise, Mel's Bigfoot. Um, no, Val- Valentine's Day for me has never been a big deal. But what's I- ironic is I-, I, my family, my mother owns a, my mother owns a flower shop, so it's always been one of those holidays where like none of us have ever had time to focus on it because every year we have to work for her there's no ifs ands or buts you could be in a completely i actually was in a different state the weekend like the weekend before it was on like a tuesday and i flew to hang out with a friend in chicago and they were getting a really bad snowstorm she was threatening my life because of a snowstorm that was possibly gonna delay my flight back i'm like she's like don't even bother coming home if you can't work and i'm like oh shit so you know it's serious business, folks. But um, yeah, Valentine's Day has just never been a holiday I focused on. But there's plenty of horror content that's focused around um, the holiday and just the general sort of uh, vibe of it all. So we thought we'd talk about some of those things and also throw in some other bits and pieces as we do as we go down uh, that path there. Um so what do we call this episode? The the hot lovers and shit episode? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Spooky, yeah. Love. Yeah. spooky love. Spooky love. The, the yeah. Spooky, spooky oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, baby. But I think I think a good place for us to start, at least for me to start, um, is with uh, one of the earliest um, sort of forms of a horror element mixed with a love el- story uh, is uh, Phantom of the Opera. Um, hmm. It's one that I 
when I was younger, the musical was a huge deal in my family. So I was introduced to it through the musical, but I'd never seen a version of it uh, until I saw the silent version, which I found on VHS. I think I like Sam Goody or something like that. And I thought it was going to be the musical because that was all I was familiar with. And it was the silent film, which I had never seen or heard of a silent movie before. So I thought the tape was broken. Um, I went back to the store to return and they said, no, it's a silent movie. It's not supposed to have sound. And I said, well, that doesn't make any fucking sense. Who would have wanted to watch this? You know, did you give me your money back? Oh, man. I wish I could have been a fly on the wall <laughs> for that, that transaction. This doesn't have any fucking sound yeah, on it. Yeah. This fucking bullshit. I was like, I was probably seven or eight, so I probably wasn't cursing. <laughs> but uh, th- they didn't give me my money back, but they actually, because the film was in public domain, they had another version that had sound, like it had music through it. So they mm-hmm. offered to exchange it for that one. And I, I misunderstood. I thought that meant that there would be talking through it and I wouldn't have to read the damn movie. <laughs> And lo and behold, it was just, there was music on the soundtrack. But um, anyway, as time went on, I eventually did see the musical. I also saw other versions of it. There's a cartoon version of it that's really terrible um, that ends on a much more happier note than any of the other versions do. And then uh, my favorite version, aside from the musical, because I, I do love that version, is uh, the Robert England one from 1989. That's my, uh, that's my preferred way to experience the story uh as of late i just think that's such a beautifully done film um that deserves far more recognition than it gets um hmm. i love robert england and i think he's phenomenal i mean i don't I, I can't i really can't think of a performance of his that i've seen that i didn't enjoy but i think the big issue with that film is obviously him playing freddie i think it hurt that movie more than it helped it um because all that's all anybody yeah. could see was freddie um and it also didn't help that his makeup was kind of low-key burn makeup that made him look a little right. like freddie yeah, so and, and yeah by kevin yeager who did his freddie makeup right so it's like and know, his voice yeah. too he was really he was putting on the freddie voice in that movie too mm. well it's just, i mean that's the thing it's just, yeah. you can't have him be a horror icon like a burned horror icon like that and in another film of completely separate from nightmare on elm street at the time the nightmare on elm street films are out in theaters and not have people go, hey, this is just like the Nightmare on Right. I mean, they even the, the the tagline for the movie is he was Freddy. And then right. it says now he's and then it says Phantom of the Opera at the bottom. So the they were Phantom. really Yeah. They were <laughs> they were harping on uh his success as Freddy to elevate that film to the horror fans and probably the outside of the horror genre too. Uh, which I really do think hurt that film because it's it's really exceptionally well made and uh it has a great cast and great sets great visuals um i, I really do like that version a lot I, I i think it's 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 very very well done um well, Mel- opera is not really a horror movie but it, i i haven't seen the robert england one so i don't know if they made it more horror ish but oh very yeah much so yeah they did oh yeah. okay yeah so instead of like him wearing a mask um he kills people and skins his victims and he wears he'll stitch the skin onto his face and puts makeup on to hide the scar leather face action yeah. in there too yeah. so it's, oh, yeah. Okay. yeah i was gonna say what does he wear a potato sack <laughs> <laughs> well it, it plays very much like a slasher film at times yeah yeah, yeah. It's, that's it's got some good well, gore in it well that's yeah. an interesting take because the the phantom is typically supposed to be a, you're supposed to like have sympathy for him <laughs> Yeah, because he's like, oh, I yeah, love Christine. So much in this one, uh, 
I love Christine, yeah. but I'm ugly. And I live in an <laughs> attic of an opera house. And, well, it's ever since he know, lives in the sewers. And he's like, come on, Christine. Oh, yeah, the sewer, whatever. Um, and he has like a <laughs> gondola and shit down there. And <laughs> she ends up she ends up in his little sewer river. And uh, he takes her sewer for a ride river. on the gondola. Yeah, she goes for a ride on the gondola. But then she's still like, oh, Raul. And that pisses <laughs> off the phantom. <laughs> and oh, then... Can we- I want to. I'm sorry, Mel, to interrupt. I, can we offer a service where we people will pay to have Mel read descriptions of movies? <laughs> we could start. Because that's I just said. There's I mean... a gondola, and she's in the little sewer river, and Raul's there. Uh, you know, so it's like what? it's like I both have no desire to see this movie, and I must watch it right now. Yeah. Uh, it's just it's the really music. The re- music slaps, though. Like yeah. that, like as yeah. far as like li- as li- far as live theater goes, like yeah. there are yeah. few there are few shows you can see that are a better experience than Phantom of the Opera. Yeah, no, Phantom. Oh, I agree. Phantom of the Opera live is is truly a sight. I've seen it a few times. It's a sight to behold. Um, I, every production I've seen of it has been stellar. Um, and yeah. uh, it's also somewhat interactive too because you're seeing a a show about you know a theater that's being sort of slightly terrorized by this guy and if the you know lately i think in the last like 10 15 years or so um the productions that have put the play on have really taken advantage of that fact and utilize their environment by having you know the when the chandelier falls uh which ironically isn't in the robin england version um but when the chandelier comes down, like the chandelier is above your fucking head. If you're sitting in the middle of the audience, you look oh, up it's and cool. coming yeah, down at you. It's cool. Yeah. 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 So it's yeah. someone, it's pretty, someone it's died hard. right in front of me. Cause the chandelier fell on their head. Huh? I'm sorry. <laughs> what? <laughs> Somebody died in front of you? <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, Jesus. I'm just kidding. She said. <laughs> I was kidding. God, I don't know. What? I don't know why I said that. Oh God! Here we go. Oh, I've heard that again. before. Oh man. Okay. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, for those of you, you see, you, you have you've just been recently introduced to Mel. Yeah. Mel is insane. Yeah. And she will just make shit up and try it's to fool all of us. Unreal. Yeah. And she's a horrible, mean-spirited liar. Well. And you really can't believe anything that she says. Let's. So well, just. Keep that in mind. Let's tackle that for a later date. Kevin, you you, you oh. watched this the the Robin England mo- movie um, yeah. for this show. You had never seen it, and as to my knowledge, you've never seen any version of this story before. Um, so, what did you think? It was better, and I thought I, I thought it was going to be. I mm-hmm. really didn't give it a you know for all these years, I never gave it a chance because I really I'm not into musicals. The gore was good. Robert England was good. What's her name? Um, Jill. Jill Schoen. Jill Schoen. Yeah. She didn't do the singing in this, did she? No. No. Oh. no. Okay. No. I don't think anybody did. Actually, I think everybody probably who not. sang uh, was probably um, probably dubbed in later. But yeah. So it's a no, much different version. Yeah. Than what we need mm-hmm. a, a drinking game for every time Robert England says Christine in it because if that. You know, it, I mean, it's, that's it's, every it's, version of Phantom of the Opera. Yeah, and it's yeah, also problem, it's yeah. it's not like Caroline level, 
of Poltergeist Three, where he says her name so oh, nothing yeah. is, yeah, that it uh, <laughs> that it becomes so obvious because I think um, it is so married to that story that I, I I guess I never really picked up on how often he said it. Uh, the one thing about this film that I uh, this particular version that I I think would have been interesting if they had kind of gone this route. I appreciate everything they did, but I would have been interesting to see them do a modern take on it where instead of it flashing back to the 1700s or 1800s, whatever uh, time frame it was supposed to take place in, that it took place in 1989. That it was a modern day retelling of that well, story. Interestingly enough, had that movie been a success, that we would have gotten something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they were already making plans to do Phantom of New York, which would, or Phantom of Manhattan which would have taken him into the modern day. Yeah. We would have picked up with the sort of the coda at the end of that picture. And it would have had him in modern day in a completely different environment. But uh, unfortunately, uh, Family Opera did not do what they hoped it would do. Because it's interesting, if you look back when that movie was made, it was in the wake of the musical hitting it really big in the mid-80s. Mm -hmm. And so there was a lot of activity. They were trying to make a movie of the musical back then but it took forever but you had phantom of the uh, opera you had phantom of the ritz you had phantom of the mall i mean it was phantom 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 everywhere and uh so of course because the stories in the public domain anybody could do it so there was a little bit of phantom mania at the time and not many of them were that memorable yeah uh, but they all interestingly enough a lot of them did follow the story at least the bones of the story pretty closely right uh, but the the england one i've always liked um, because it's got great atmosphere to it. Mm -hmm. Is this the best um, version of it? Do you think? I, I don't know if it's the best version of it, but it's because I mean, you know, you have the Hammer version, the Lon Chaney one is amazing still, yeah. even after all these years. But it it has, it's got a charm to it that I like. Oddly enough, I mean, there's just a lot of, a lot of high quality people, and they filmed it in Budapest, and so they were able to take advantage of a lot of, just the natural sort of architecture of that town and make it really work for that story. Yeah. And, um, and if you want more stories on how that movie was put together, the Blu-ray from Screen Factory has some wonderful extras on it um, that you can uh, really enjoy and get a great deal of detail on how England's Phantom of the Opera came together. I really encourage you to check it out. Yeah, Who it, produced it, I, those special features? Well, it's funny you should ask that, Mel. Uh, it was a company called Red Shirt Pictures. You, it's pretty wow. good. They're pretty good guys. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Plug, plug. Wow. Mel's doing her Owen Wilson impression. Wow. <laughs> wow. 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 Didn't uh, wow. Dwight Little direct this? The direct yes, this? Dwight Little of yeah. Halloween yeah. 4, yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I actually, awesome. po I, I, a while back, I, I had revisited this film, um, and it had been a long time since I had watched it, and I just you know, I'm going to watch that again. It's been a while. And as I was watching it, I was I made a little post about it on Facebook. And my friend Tim is friends with the gentleman who wrote it. And he tagged him in my post because I was praising the film. And the dude was so happy. <laughs> he was just like, man, I'm so Was that glad Duke Sandifer? Was yeah. That, was that Duke? Yeah, yeah was, nice guy. He's like, oh, I'm so happy you liked it. Thank you so much for all the kind words. I, the only regret I have about this film is I wish it had done better so we could have done more. And I'm like, right, I'm right. with you on that, man. I would have liked to have seen where this could have gone if it had turned into another franchise for Robert England, But um it's kind of curious too it's I, I mean i guess maybe like you were saying maybe the well was kind of dried by the time this hit theaters but with horror fans being as obsessed with freddy as they were i'm shocked that th that audience wasn't enough to make this financially profitable 
Um, I yeah, I don't know. It just did not connect. Yeah. It just really and also it came out in '89, and there was already Freddie Fatigue settling in at that point. Yeah, because Nightmare Five came out that year, didn't do very well. Right. In fact, none of the big horror franchises did very well that year. Things were already. St- I think they had they brought it out a year earlier. I think they might have had more success with it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But well, by '89. Acquired taste anyway. So. Well, this not really. A, this isn't really a musical version yeah, no. of it. Um, I mean, there's some singing in it, but it's not a full musical like the Android Lloyd Webber right uh, show. Which, right. by the way, I I wanted just to say that is one hell of an experience theatrically. I yes. got to see it once, and when there and that with the chandelier, it fell and then rose out over the whole crowd, mm-hmm. and we're all just staring up at this thing, going, "Oh dear God!" Yeah, <laughs> I really yeah. hope that thing's secure because I saw it in an old theater. Yeah. So we're just like, I don't trust the ceiling trusses up here at all. Yeah. With this big mother. So I know when the, I'll have uh, to, you'll have to ask, remind me to tell you about the very first production I saw of Phantom of the Opera. It, I don't think it's really relevant here. And I don't want to like t- go off on a huge tangent, but it, it's, pr- it's pretty funny. Okay. So you just set up a story <laughs> for the audience that they're never going to hear. Join our Patreon if you want to hear the rest <laughs> of the story. <laughs> To hear Mel's supposedly underwhelming story <laughs> when she first saw the original Phantom. Um, Let's just say I was like in, I was in like fifth or sixth grade and they took us to like a college production of Phantom of the Opera. And mm-hmm. I had never, I, to, at that point I had never seen it. And so I did not realize that this was a very dumbed down family friendly version of Phantom of the Opera with like a happy ending. And the theater manager realizes that the Phantom is actually her son. And I don't remember why he was so upset and like phantoming around because he wasn't like burned or anything. So and then I think he does end up with Christine or him and Christine are like best friends at the end. I don't remember, but I, I don't remember why he was phantoming because nothing had really happened to him. Yeah, like I, I phantoming. Yeah, like I don't I don't remember why he was so upset, um, but I remember at the end, like it all worked out and then everyone just operated together. But like, <laughs> they but together. so I had this like completely false. My first experience with Phantom of the Opera was this completely false version of it. And, um, I'll never, and then I finally went and saw like the real one at the Pantages and I'm like, this isn't what? (laughs) (laughs) I like how you were describing it. He wasn't burned. I don't know what his problem was. (laughs) I don't remember why he was so upset. Yeah, what's his problem? What's his deal? I mean, he, he, was, yeah. he was just emo. Um, I think he was. I think he was from what I remember. Like, I don't remember. Emo. I don't remember why he was so mad. But then at the end, everyone was fine. <laughs> and they yeah. sang. And I was like, oh, wow, what a show. And uh, yeah, and then I was older and I saw the real one. And, you know, I was like, oh, that. Okay. <laughs> no, it all makes sense. <laughs> this is all come. This is all making sense now. Yeah, <laughs> I wish I would like to have seen that version. I need to. Going, I need to look it up. It's problem. What's interesting about the uh, the story as it's progressed over the years, especially in the musical version, they've actually um, when the movie was made, they sh- uh, they made some changes to the the story. the The chandelier coming down happens in the middle of the film. Uh, the the um, um, the play to break up the first, you know, to the first part to the second mm-hmm. part. And in the film, they put it at the end of the movie. It's the finale of the movie. It's, um, it, it, I guess, it, it t- they said it made more sense structurally 
that in the film that the finale would be the chandelier coming down and not the middle to break up the first and second act. Um, so I was like, oh, that's, you know, because I remember when I took my mother to go see the movie in theaters because, again, the entire family is obsessed. And I, I think I knew that going in that they had made that change, but I, I forgot about it. So when it was supposed to happen, we both were kind of like, wait a minute, this is where the, oh, right, they moved it. It's still going to happen, just not till later. Uh, and what's also interesting is some of the stage play versions have incorporated that change as well. And they don't put the, they have it at towards the end of the play now, uh, depending on, you know, which production you see. So, um, yeah, so it's a couple different versions of that are even floating around now, which, uh, which is strange, but, um, you know, I love it. I think it's great at the, the musical and the movie, but, um that version from the 20s i mean lon cheney's makeup to this day i think still mm. is the best look you know especially like you know in the gerald butler the the movie adaption um he's just got like a slight sunburn it's like he's not even that yeah, he, bad you know like no he looks he's like, like he looks, doctor he's like yeah. halloween for dr loomis he's like yeah he looks face and it's like you don't look at my look at my face and it's like you don't look that bad he looks mostly fine. I'm a monster. But, um, Actually, no, you don't look that bad. <laughs> I can live with this. Um, but uh, in the in the in the 1920s version of Lon Chaney, it's like holy shit, that fucking guy is a sight to behold. Yeah, you know, you would never wake up next to him and go, "This is fine." That's yeah, not so bad. It would be <laughs> every morning. I'll be, ah! oh, it's you. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> can't get used to this. Yeah, but ah! I mean, ah, low. <laughs> You won't, need, morning. you won't need coffee every morning. You'll have that mini heart attack to take care of you. Uh, now, now we know how Matt and Catherine McPhee probably feels when she wakes up next to fucking David Foster every morning. Oh, Lord. There Many people might not. I don't know how many people listening to this are going to get that reference. But let's just say he's real fucking old, but he's really rich and a very successful, you know, uh, songwriter. And, you know, good for him. And now he has a hot young wife. Who's going to get all of his money? Just to let you know that the Spooky Picture Show is now co-sponsored by TMZ, apparently. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't know. Yay. Anyway, okay, let's move on. He's Uh, real fucking old, guys. Okay, we get it. We get it. We get it. (laughs) So, yeah, Kevy, I don't know if there's going to be another version of this story that you would like as much as this one, but at least you saw one of them. I would. Yeah. I'd be curious to see. I, I would like to take you to see the musical not like watch the movie because oh, i think the experience would make it better for you um being a part of it is much much different than watching it it really heavy yeah. takes right. broadway yeah it's actually it's not on broadway anymore i think it's no i know finally yeah. rented its run yeah i think yeah. it officially the, retired yeah gaffney little theater to put on the production there's <laughs> always a touring company of it somewhere yeah Always, Sponsored I mean, by always... Harold's Pinto Wednesday. <laughs> <laughs> but um, show your ticket stubs and get half off Pinto Bean Wednesdays. That's right. <laughs> but yeah, so I mean, that's you know, that's it, it's it's a tragic story too, you know. But it's also uh, depending on what version you watch, you either have sympathy for the Phantom or you don't. Um, you understand where she's coming from or you don't. Like it's just it's. It's so bizarre how many different versions of it can change how you approach the story. Um, I have sympathy for him, but I mean, he needs to not be so creepy. Like yeah. no one's gonna no like. Well, so <laughs> stop being so creepy. No one, so, no one's gonna go out with him when he lives in the friggin' sewer. Well, you know, 
So Andrew Lloyd Webber did make a sequel <laughs> um, called Love Never oh, Dies, yes. where um, I heard it sucks. Yeah, it's not good. Uh, Christine and Raul go off to Coney Island, and he follows them there. Um, I'm sorry, what? Coney Island. Yeah, there's circus performers on Coney is Island. Is this a sequel now. to the movie or the? No, this this is a sequel the play. To the play. The play. Um, okay. Well, they they're Where living. The hell, did he do this? They, yeah, it came out in like 2011 or something like that. But they're living out in New York and by Coney Island, and he follows them out there. And Christina has a, a kid. And the plot twist, the big plot twist, is the kid is actually the Phantom. So apparently they they boinked what? at some point. Yeah, right. And Does it come out with a little mask on? <laughs> come out. He comes out. <laughs> Don't look at me. Don't look at me, Bobby. Don't look at me. He's very uh, he's very musically inclined. So she starts to pick up that this might not be Raoul. Is it Raoul, an opera man. singer um, too? Not in the movie. He's well. well well, in the in the play, he's a singer, but in real life, in the in the real life context, he's not supposed to be a singer. But I guess that I never I heard that they're... part. I I just heard it wasn't good, so I never bothered seeing. Well, yeah, I don't want to prejudge it based on that description alone, but yikes! Yeah, Phantom and Baby. I guess, I guess when he figures out, he eventually figures out that Christian and Raul aren't happy in their marriage, and she starts to fall Ooh. in love with the Phantom, and <sighs> like. Yeah, there's a whole because everybody who saw Phantom of the Opera fell in love with the Phantom. You know, every person that sat down and watched that play felt for him, wanted him to end up with the girl and not, you know, Raul. And so this story kind of retcons the whole play and basically says, yeah, she should have ended up with him in the first place. And well, I mean, I could understand why he'd be so upset if like they did it. And then she was just like, well, now Raul's like you were okay, but then Raul showed up, and so I changed my mind. By well, like that would be upsetting. I mean, Mel, I don't want to paint this picture, but did you ever? They see hooked them up alone? in his suit in his sewer no, no, but, sewer but, chamber of love. No, but did you ever conjugal, see them alone in the movie? Visits. Did you ever see them? Did you ever see those two alone in the play of the movie? No, she she passes out, so it's probably suggested Ooh. that he raped her so, oh, that's just, yeah that's so not very nice yeah that's so not this very is, nice this is a, this is a that. this is a bastard Try child explaining that to, to, to her i mean like, how did i get pregnant with your baby well um <laughs> yeah but like home, daddy, yeah but wouldn't any normal person like hook up with a guy after he takes her for a ride on his gondola in the sewer no just me just no. me just you no, just yeah. you. <laughs> you said gone. I mean, and the mask was covering. Out. I mean, the mask covers up the bad half of his face. So. Yeah, depending on what version you see. Anyway, <laughs> Melanie Mullen. She has no standards. None. <laughs> we'll flash her number across the screen when we ever do a live yeah, exactly. feed. Exactly. Uh, so encouraging one, hope to phantoms everywhere. One nine hundred titties. <laughs> oh lord All right, let's move on yeah. from phantom though because i, feel yeah, I like think we should i really think we should i yeah. feel like we've uh we've no let's here. keep talking about this erotic sewer adventure <laughs> <laughs> the erotic <laughs> sewer adventures of the it's like jason takes opera. manhattan but with opera <laughs> right that's the only difference I that's mean, it <laughs> 
I wouldn't mind seeing an opera version of Jason Takes Manhattan now. Thanks, man. Oh, dear God. Oh, before we... There is one thing. Before we leave the Phantom of the Opera, a warning to all of you out there. If you're thinking of watching the Dario Argento version of oh, that... Oh, God. Don't do it. It's just fucking terrible. It's just... It's the only thing worse than that is his version of Dracula. So it's just... Yeah. Don't, don't do it. You know, yeah. If you want to watch anything with opera and Dario Argento, just watch opera. Right. Leave the Phantom out of it. <laughs> and I do want to say that while the story of Dracula also, in its way, has a bit of a romantic twist to it, we um we didn't want to cover that necessarily because, um, realistically, there's so many different versions of that story, and vampires in general. There's a lot of vampire movies that have that angle that we would have been here for the next three days if we had just... Right, we, we could do a whole three-episode run, sh- yeah. three run on just vampires. Yeah, yeah. if we tackle... Yeah. Well, specific, specifically, you know, the love-stricken vampires. I mean, that's a... That's a, you know... That's 99%. Yeah, that's a three-parter all in itself. And my memory of the book, the original book, is that it wasn't an overly romantic book either. No, no. You know, that came later with the stage play and yeah. then the adaptations. Into, and then, of course... With uh, Francis Ford Coppola, Cop- I call it Copula because I just, I can't I I hate that version. So I say, I've crossed oceans of time to find you. Oh, shut up! Yeah, I don't <laughs> like I, I don't like Keanu Reeves in that movie at all. I I I know there's this newfound love and appreciation. I'm sure the guy's wonderful, and I'm sure he's a great person, but he needs to stay away from British accents, man. That every time yeah, he, he spoke yeah. in that film, I was like. They hired this guy and they kept using him after he sounded like this. <laughs> I give him a lot of credit for stra- for pushing himself as an actor and like doing that and Much Ado About Nothing. But like Much Ado About Nothing was hilarious because I did that play in high school and I played the same role he played. Oh God! So I, I go see the movie and I'm too. sitting there watching and going, and he's going, you know, I'd rather be a canker in a hedge than a rose in his grace. And I'm like. <laughs> Fuck you! I did this better. (laughs) I was like, "I I mean, I love you, Keanu, but what are you doing here?" Yeah, all all I can see is Bill or Ted. I think he's Ted, right? He's Ted. Yeah, yeah. Nothing against the guy. Was he's he knows who he is, and he's done very, very well for himself. Yeah. And when he's effective in a role, he's extremely effective. Dracula, not so much. Should we have some tea and some biscuits? Anyway, so um. One thing I wanted to ask you guys, because this is uh, this is something I'm sure Mel's going to love talking about. Um, who was your first horror crush? Who did you crush on in a horror movie? Um, I mean, okay, so for the longest time, I was super into Crispin Glover in Friday the 13th, final chapter. I thought he was so cute. Like, he's totally the one I would have hooked up with if I, if I was at that house. Um, as I've gotten older, I've really, I've really, uh, grown attuned to Tom Matthews as Tommy Jarvis and Jason lives. Um, I just think he's so cute. And then the way he talks, he's like, Oh God, Jason, he's going to get me. Uh." And (laughs) that's not how he sounds in that movie. (laughs) Not once. Hand hand me the padlock. And he's just like. That's a terrible impersonation of me. Uh, Jason, he's coming to get me. <laughs> what, the hell, what 
the hell was that? That's like the William Shatner version of Tom Hanks. <laughs> right? <laughs> I, I just think he's so, I think he's really cute as Tommy Jarvis. Like, I would have liked to have seen him play Tommy Jarvis more than once. I, I really prefer him to uh, John Shepard. Um and, you know, of course, to Corey Feldman, who was 12. <laughs> I just... Jason <laughs> on to hell, and I'm going to make sure it gets the... Yeah! Come on, Horshack. <laughs> Come on, Horshack. Let's go. You didn't call him Horshack <laughs> in the movie? Man, you can't watch it without thinking it. Yeah, I know that, but he didn't call him He that. killed Horshack! He killed... Oh, yeah, man, he killed Horshack. <laughs> Sounds like that guy from Family. What's the guy from Family guy? The the oh no, what, 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 what's, what's that guy's name? Does he even have a name? Is that the, is that I'm the sure old, he does. Is it the old pedophile neighbor? No, that's Herbert. Hey, that's Chris. he's. Or is it Quagmire? No, Quagmire's no, Quagmire, the horny guy. Oh oh cl- no. oh um Cleveland. The, no, 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 these are all main not... characters. Hey, so I'm this just naming every. He's got, okay. a, he's got like a porn stash, and yeah, the... he's the he's the gay, oh. he's the like the the flamboyant oh, no. gay guy. He goes, oh no, that's how you're oh, making no. Tommy Jarvis sound to everybody. Yeah, give me the pad. Oh, he's coming to get me. Oh no, oh, no. <laughs> like I've always sympathized with the sheriff's daughter. Who's like, I'm gonna break him out of jail because he's cute. Yeah, she really has no other motivation at all. No, she's really, just she like, doesn't at all. She's no, like, I want to break him. She doesn't know him. She's just, he's just like, he's cute. Let's get him out of there. <laughs> Jason's coming out and say, yeah, whatever. You're cute. Get in here. Yeah, yeah right. let's go to the, I'll take you to the supply store. I love how yeah, she, she your, does not. Put your head guess. in my lap. <laughs> yeah. She does not second guess a fucking thing he says the whole movie either. She no. just runs no. with it. And that's that. And you know what? Good for her. I mean, she and knows he's what like, she wants. Jason was dead, but now he's not because I stuck a rod in him and some lightning struck in. Oh, God, he's going to kill everybody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can't see. Based on Mel's impersonation, I, I can't understand why more people didn't believe him. <laughs> um, <laughs> you don't understand. I stuck a rod in him and he lightning made him alive again. Yeah. You stuck who's rod and who? Did <laughs> you put your rod in him and oh, boy. And then he, then he killed Hoshak, and oh god! <laughs> oh lord! Shut up, Mel! <laughs> <laughs> he didn't kill. <laughs> Vinny Barbarino's gonna be so upset. <laughs> hey, Mister Cartier! <laughs> oh god! Oh lord! <laughs> I hope he hears this one day, somehow. He's dead. (laughs) The guy who played Horshack, he's dead. No, no, no. Tommy Jarvis. Oh, Tom Matthews. Oh, I hope he does. He's great. He's the best. I finally finally got to meet him a few years ago. He was great. Go up to him at a convention. Here's my impersonation of you. (laughs) Jason, no. (laughs) No, Horshack, wait, no. Jason belongs in hell. I'm going to see he gets there. (laughs) I'm going to tie him up to a rock and push him in the lake. <laughs> the end. Really, when you think about it, his plans were all absurd. They were it's really, really amazing. Bad. Did... Well, and the whole thing was his fault. Well, yeah, yeah. he did. Yeah. The whole well, he, thing he, he, was he, he, fault. he takes blame for it in the film. He says, it's my fault he's back. I was trying to I was trying to burn him, and he's I like, ended up oh, bringing him back. 
But he learned all that. He learned all that from reading an occult book. He goes to like a random bookstore and buys three books on the occult. And then he comes, you know, to and a it realization. Was like, Don't unbury someone during a lightning storm. Oh no. <laughs> I did that. I already did shit. that. No. Oh shit. Oh shit. Oh shit. No. <laughs> and he killed Horshack. Um. <laughs> what have I done? <laughs> I think Where's Gordon? Oh uh, who? Ron Palillo rest in Gordon the really dog. Sorry. Oh, oh for part four. Yeah. Poor dog. Poor Gordon. <laughs> I mean, Gordon. I think he just—I think he got away and he bailed. He was like, "Fuck." This. Oh yeah, that dog was like, "Fuck y'all." We never see him again, do we? He's like, "My yeah, protector dude. He's only go so far." Yeah, he I'm goes out. out the window and it's like he can survive that. Yeah, yeah he he he's out yeah. of there. Yeah, he was good. Yeah. He was calm. Good, for, was like, nope. good for him. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, "Bitches be tripping. I'm I'm slipping." Bye. Um, very few times in Friday the Thirteenth. Where a character has an honest to God realistic re- that and Reggie when Jason or uh, Roy pops out of the ambulance after they find it, he just leaves Pam behind. He just bolts. He's like, "Fuck this, I'm out," and he just runs. And Pam, I swear, Pam's just standing there like, "Um, all right, bye." <laughs> wow. You just, you just see Reggie in this red tracksuit just get smaller and smaller. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You can almost he hear it. Out. You 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 clock how fast he runs away. Someone should without put even the, giving uh, Pam a second thought. Someone should put the Scooby Doo music when they you know when the, their feet are you know slipping. Oh, yeah. And then running off. <laughs> yeah. uh, so Tom Matthews, you say, was yes, your crush? Tom, yeah, Tom, Tom Matthews, Matthews is her crush. Is yeah. that the point of this originally? Yes. <laughs> so I'll I'll tell you guys, mine it was actually um Dan from Nightmare Four. Ooh yes, yes, yeah. Oh yes, yeah. I definitely had a, had a thing from. I actually, ironically, also, I think I had a little thing for Tom Matthews in Return of the Living Dead. I think I thought, you know, yes. those, those, they, those two might have been pretty close together because um, I remember both of them thinking like, well, because I mean, I saw those movies when I was younger, so I didn't, I wasn't crushing on anybody. I didn't really like figure that out until I was a little older, and then I was like twelve or thirteen. I was like. I think I have a crush on these two, uh, or this guy, and then you am know, I um, gay? Yeah, I know, right? Uh, talk about an awakening and a half. <laughs> so you, you you like Tommy Jarvis, or not Tommy? You like Tom Matthews in Return of the Living Dead? Like, oh no, the gas came out. We breathed it. Oh boy, Horshack, no. Well I, well, I don't like him anymore, thanks to you. So that just fucking killed it uh but uh but yeah that was my that was those two were probably i mean uh dan was i think dan was my first because i think i saw well i saw i grew up with return of the living dead but i think the first time i was like oh wow he's cute i went oh shit that was <laughs> it's like, it's like oh so, hey there you yeah. go huh but uh i think i learned something about myself today danny hassel still looks really good oh i know yeah i i don't want to meet him at a con because he'll probably be the first person i stumble out and go i fucking love you and then just <laughs> run away you just do like i do you find someone attractive and so you immediately retreat in the other direction and <laughs> what about you kevy um same movie nightmare four as you Tom matthews no brooke these <laughs> from nightmare oh, oh yes four. yes 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 <laughs> Badass Put your hands on me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 She checked in, but did not check out. Mm. Number two, Amy Steele from Friday the Thirteenth Part Two. Mm. 
I love that character. I love Ginny yeah. as a character. Yeah, I think she's great. Um, the smartest character in the whole series. Yeah. 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 I uh, also love the one guy in that movie. He's one of those actors you see in every 80s movie, but nobody ever knows who he is. He's in. He's also in. I don't know what his name is. He's in. He's also in Once Bitten. He plays one of the vampires. He's the guy that stays behind. To oh, stay- Stu Chorna. Chorna. Okay, one person in this room knows. Okay. His name. <laughs> yeah, I would have gotten there. He was yeah. also in Christine. He yeah. was. Yeah. Yeah. So he stays behind at the bar to drink, and he mm-hmm. ends up so being well, fine. Like him. Yeah, he's fine. He'd be lives. Oh, that reminds me. Friday the Thirteenth Part Two. Tom McBride, the guy in the wheelchair. Mm-hmm. may he rest in peace like in the movie and in real life but like oh my god he was hot you didn't kill like, him did yes. you no okay, just pushed sure. him down them steps yeah I mean his death was pretty funny I'm not gonna lie I don't think anyone I in don't the think movie. anyone funny. In, in the, the movie, movie, in the movie. Specify in, in the, the movie. movie in the movie his real life death was horrible and tragic but in the movie, it was pretty funny. Um, you send and your complaints to Spooky Picture Show on Facebook. <laughs> it definitely gave me a little bit of a wheelchair fetish. I'm not gonna lie. Okay. Well, this... Oh God. Okay. Well, that conversation has now ended. Felcher, go ahead. Your your horror crush. Let's talk about yes, that. Yeah. Let's thank go. Thank you very much. Yeah, yeah, yes. Moving on. Uh, um. Okay. I wasn't ready for the. Okay, oh. There could be several, but I got to say the number one by by a large margin was. Uh, Tom Matthews. Barbara Crampton. From oh, oh yeah, That's and then really, really from from beyond. Oh uh, yeah, that that, that was like a one-two punch, right there. I mean, I, she just yeah tripped every trigger. Let's just say that she was great. Mm. <laughs> I really and, and I, I I gotta say what I liked about her really the most was the, her range as an actress because if you look at what she did in Reanimator versus From Beyond was back to back, you know eighty five eighty six. Uh, it's like wow, she really she can play very very different characters and she can commit to the emotionality of this stuff and <clears throat> i mean her performance in castle freak uh Stuart is really is, is amazing yeah it's really just she can hold her own with anybody on the screen with her and uh she's also there's there's two other reasons that i continue that, that she you know is still my favorite uh number one and i apologize if this is not a subject that can be discussed in the today's cultural environment or whatever. Um, but she's kicking time's ass. If she really is, uh, I, I, she is one of the most naturally beautiful women I've ever seen in my life. And she still is. It looks amazing. I mean, she yeah. just, I, I don't, I don't know how she's doing it. Um, I want to get the secret and bottle it and sell it. Cause it's, it's absolutely amazing. Um, that aside, I interviewed her or set up an interview with her for a project almost 10 years ago actually it was exactly 10 years ago and i've had to limited contact with her ever since <laughs> and then about two or three years ago i was walking by her at a convention and i was gonna say hi but it's like i don't know she doesn't remember me anyway and as i'm walking by she just goes oh hey michael how you been and it's like the first time i've seen her in like seven years and i just went oh hi it's good to see you again barbara i'll talk to you later she had a line at her table but on the inside, I do remember going, Barbara Crampton remembered me. No, God. <laughs> and then I just kept on walking. But, um, yeah, she's she's my number one for sure. 
I also want to give a, a shout out to uh, Eric Freeman, who I think also is. Yes. <laughs> Garbage day. Hey, listen, you know, whatever. Um, for me, now it's far, far more recent because I think Sauna Dead the Night 2 probably came into my life realistically in the last 10 years. I had no desire to see those movies when I was younger, so I never would have rented them or anything like that. But I, um, you know, I, I really became familiar with them in the last 10 years. And when I saw that and I went, oh, yeah, OK, I can I, I can get behind that. Um, and then I also Brian, I, I, Brian Wilson from the first one is gorgeous, too. He is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I met Eric Freeman too. We talked about that in the convention show. Uh, so, so, you know, it, that kind of made it a little better too. The fact that he was such a nice guy kind of made it, go, Oh yeah. You know, I can still get behind that. So, um, anyway, moving on. Um, <laughs> actually this is, this is something I think, well, this is for Mel and I, I don't think you two are going to have any, any opinions on this, but, um, well, you don't know. Oh, I know. It's rather presumptuous of you just to say that right now. I especially know but for Kevin. Maybe you not so much. Um, is there anybody that you've seen in a horror film, or really, let's, I guess we'll open this up to any genre that you would have switched teams for? What? Hmm. Um. I know what mine is. I can tell you mine. Hmm. You know, I don't know. I always thought the girls in Friday the 13th Part 3 were just the most gorgeous in the entire franchise. Like, all Mm -hmm. of them, I thought, were just, like, knockout beautiful. I don't know if they made me want to, like, les out, but, like, (laughs) but they were definitely just, like, drop-dead gorgeous. Yeah. Well, mine is really, really easy. Um, It's uh, Michelle Pfeiffer, specifically Batman Returns Michelle Pfeiffer, as Catwoman. I can see that. I 100% fell in love with her, and I am as queer as a $3 bill. But if she approached me <laughs> at that time in that outfit, I would have been like, I'm taking one for the team. We're, we're trying this. This is going to happen. Yeah, no one would forgive you if you didn't. Nope. I mean, that's just like, I don't care, gay or not, you're doing it. Yep. No. <laughs> like, nope. Just, just I would have done it. Going for it. I would have just... Me, I got to say, I can't think of any anyone in particular i'm although i've certainly seen plenty of uh uh you know male actors who are like oh that's a that's a damn good looking man you know but um can't think of any that i would have uh switched teams for no i can't not offhand anyway that's why i felt like this was more of a mel and i question i wasn't probably was was not trying to exclude you two but i couldn't picture kevin coming out going i know who i'd fuck if i had the opportunity (laughs) (laughs) Like just right off. Watch the bat. Kevin come out and say, "I'll die." I had five of them. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Look at him; his face is Poor turning Shaq. red. Nah. Poor Kevin. <laughs> We're embarrassing no, Kevin now. I can't. I can't All right, so let's let's jump back into some of the movies we we had uh, we had planned for this evening. So uh, another one that I I feel like um, it, it, it this movie being part of a franchise, I think really hurt it more than it helped it. Um, was Return of the Living Dead three uh i i love this movie but it has no business being a return of the living dead film um it 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 just it does not if you watch one and two now granted like you know those two feel like kind of radically different films tonally at least um but if you watch one two and three as a marathon three sticks out like a sore thumb Mm -hmm. in, in every conceivable way it's just you know it, it really just doesn't fit the mold, which I can appreciate for a sequel even, but 
I I think even Brian Usna himself said this, um, that he felt like that it being a sequel hurt its chances of being more successful. It should, it, or maybe it was the writer. Somebody involved in that film was like, I really didn't like that this was Return of the Living Dead three. Oh yeah, that's that's covered on the uh, Blu-ray and uh, extras. Actually, who was it that said that? Uh, for, I, I don't remember. I, I think it might have been Usna or could have been one of the producers or the writers because they all were. You know, they were kind of brought into this like, well, what do you want to do with this? We're kind of starting us, you know, from ground zero here Mm -hmm. because no one really wanted to continue anything from the other two movies. And I think there was a actually I think there was some rights issues that meant they couldn't. So they had Mm -hmm. the name, but they couldn't do much of anything else. Mm -hmm. But there might have been something to that effect. But it was basically, you know, I was like, well, we can use the name and just kind of, I think, you know, trioxin gets mentioned in there. And there's a few things that help link it to the other two movies but it's more of a romeo and juliet kind of story than it is anything else right uh, which is what i love about it and melinda clark's performance in it is just fantastic she's you know just i mean everybody in that movie is really really good yeah Um, yeah it's 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 actually a really terrific film so it got exposure and it got made because of being a return of the living dead film but I think there were a lot of people who were confused. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was one and of them. They either saw it or saw it advertised. They're like, well, what, is, what does this have to do with the other two movies? Yeah, I was one of them. I was one of those. I remember renting that movie. And it, it came out in 93. So I was, I was young. And uh, it terrified my brother. My brother like didn't mm. sleep for like two nights. He, it scared the shit out of him. Because we both yeah. loved the first one and the second one. More so the second one because we were younger and that movie kind of hit for us a little yeah, that's better comedy more than yeah, yeah. Horror, so. so we both he he especially loved part two so when we saw part three and it was like balls to the wall fucking horror there's no comedy in three at least no intentional comedy no. um there's some there's some twisted black comedy yeah but no har har yeah. jokes and yeah there's yeah anything. there's nothing like you know the you first know. or the second but it uh no. it really tries to it, it maintains a pretty serious tone throughout we were not prepared for that at all. Like when the zombie bites off the guy's fingers, I remember my 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 brother levitated eight feet into the air because we didn't <laughs> it, he, we didn't know what happened, you know. And then all of a sudden, there's blood everywhere, and of course, we're watching the unrated version, so like it's extra gory and nasty, and you know, it it, it was like oh and shit, all the body piercing stuff is disturbing. oh yeah 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 yeah, yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and you know, I mean, I think um I could be misquoting, so I apologize if I am. I should have brushed up on this, but I believe melinda clark as julie all pierced up is steve johnson's work i believe specifically it is That's okay steve's. yeah he wanted yeah. to do that makeup and everybody else kind of did the other but he specifically was like this is the one i want to do you guys can do everything else i'm going to focus on this and and um, they were smart to make her the poster oh god yeah, like, yeah. What, what more distinctive image from this movie could there be but i i've always really liked that movie i've always really liked the fact that yeah it's not yeah, it's kind of an in-name only sequel, but yeah. leaving that aside, uh, I think it's it's probably one of Brian Houston's best movies. Yeah, and uh, I I just I like the fact that it really does go for it, and it doesn't have you know spoiler alert a particularly happy ending for anybody. Right, right. Which uh, you know I like, and I don't know. I, I it's it's a um, it's a very distinctive film with very strong performances in it. Yeah. And I've seen those actors, like specifically J. Trevor Edmund in other movies. He's mm-hmm. terrible. He's not a great actor. 
Um, so yeah, Pumpkinhead too is one that <laughs> immediately springs to mind. So the fact that he's so good in this is like okay, everybody in this really came to work. Like everybody wanted this to be the best it could. He obviously was a fan. I think he even says in his interview on, on the More Brains uh, documentary that he was a huge fan of the first two films. He really wanted to do it. I think he drove overnight to get to the audition and like yeah, did it did. sleep deprived yeah. and he yeah. still got it. Um, and I remember when I saw Pumpkinhead 2, I'd seen this first and I saw Pumpkinhead 2 and I'm like, oh, he's in it. So this will be this should be good. And then <laughs> the rest of the movie happened. <laughs> I was like, holy shit. <laughs> I, guess, I guess you must re- you must have really wanted to do Return of the Living Dead three and really I mean, not wanted to do this. Well, and, and another thing about Return of the Living Dead three and back to the subject that we're kind of talking about, it's it's got a really good romance at the heart of it. Yeah, yeah. you really the love story is very strong in that movie, and uh, I really appreciated that aspect of it, in that you could tell these people really loved and cared for each other, and it under and it makes some of the decisions that some of the people making that movie understandable because it's like, well, he loves her. What else was he going to do? Yeah. Well, you they're know, also, I, know, he didn't, I think people forget they're teenagers in this film. They're not supposed to be right, like, they don't know any, you know, yeah, yeah they're not yeah. supposed to be adults. 17. Yeah. When, yeah, when yeah. you're a teenager and you have your girlfriend, whatever, I mean, the father even mentions like, we've only been here for three months. I mean, right. and he's already like ready to take off, but, that, but that's a mm-hmm. teenage mentality. That's a total, like, yeah. Well, I found the love of my life, so we're gonna ride off into the sunset joint, yeah. together. Yeah, it <laughs> yeah. made total sense. So, for some of us, yeah. it did. Some of us, it didn't. Mel, you're make. You, you, let's go. Come on, way in here. I don't know. I just she didn't like it. I don't like. I mean, I'm not a big zombie person, and also I just didn't really see like what was so appealing about her. That he had to like run off and be like, "Come on, we're gonna go to Seattle," you know, and, and you know, and then he almost had an out when she like flew off the bike and hit her head on that <laughs> hole. But then he just had to take her to the lab. He almost had an out. Oh, yeah. God. It, 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 but then he had to bring her back. For, <laughs> that would have been she a weird scene. Like, like anything special ah. to me. Like they're doing it, and she's like, "Oh man, did you? Oh, I didn't. You hear that guy scream?" And he's like, "I don't want to think about that right now." And she just like keeps talking about like the stuff they saw when they broke into the dad's lab or whatever. And I'm just like, "Eh, she doesn't seem that great." Wow, that seems like a lot of work. One way to put it, (laughs) that would have been a really interesting turn for him to have in the movie. You know, she's dying there dead saying, hey, I have an out. <laughs> <laughs> what do you know? Oh, yeah. Gotta go. Now I can go start my band. <laughs> yeah. I've never played drums in my life. I've never played drums, but I want to play drums in Seattle, and you can party all night while I drum, but I got to learn how to drum. <laughs> like, everyone in this movie Alrighty. is stupid. I think the point was that the love they had made him do dumb decisions. And love does make me. you do dumb fucking things. It does, yeah. So he done some dumb stuff. In this well, movie. he also does it very haste, hastily as well because, I mean, he doesn't even get the barrel open properly. He just, he gets to a point where, like, he's like, all right, you know, I can't get the, the, the valve to turn. So he just takes a piece of equipment and just, like, jams it open, completely yeah. unaware of what he's letting out. I mean, he there's zero... Um, 
you know, zero thought of, oh, well, this could be a toxic chemical that if it, if I even get it on me, it could kill me. He's just like, nope, I saw it work. It brought this guy back from the dead. She's dead. I want her back. And he does it. Uh, and then proceeds to run off with her as she's becoming a brain-eating zombie and starts sticking needles and pins in her and uh, then eventually becomes a pincushion. Here's what annoyed me about him is, you know, he brings her back to life. And then, you know, after, I don't know, like an hour or something, she's like, I don't want to do this. This is horrible. I don't I don't want to be like this. I don't want to turn into that. So she jumps off of that bridge and into the river. And it's like, she's telling you she doesn't, she doesn't want to, li- she doesn't want to turn into, you know, what she's seen that she's going to turn into. And he's still just like, oh, and like fishes her out of the river. And it's like. Dude, just let her go, man. That was a like, second I... chance, right? <laughs> right. Well, well, the thing is, she's telling you now that she doesn't want to be alive if this is what it means, like if that's what it's going to entail. And so she jumps off the bridge and it's like, just let her go. Well, Mel, I I, I, I do. You're, she wants um, to swim with the fishes. Let her swim. If you love something, let it go. If it comes back, then... I guess it wasn't a zombie after all. Well, I'm sorry, just picturing him going, whoa! <laughs> <laughs> well, oh no, she goes, oh boy, oh! <laughs> well, Mel, so maybe... Um, it's all very selfish. No, but here... here I have another so, out! So here's the... <laughs> I, I don't know if maybe you you did not remember this, maybe, because I, I hear what you're saying, but... She can't die. When she jumps off the bridge, he doesn't bring her back. She's not actually dead. Well, She's just unconscious, and he wakes her well, up. Well, I know. I know. So, she, so if he had just he left her just... there, she would have been alone in dirty water and freezing and off. The, yeah. Like, she would have been completely yeah. by herself. She still would have well, been a zombie. Oh, She can't <laughs> die at that point. I mean, I get what you're saying, It's just, but I, I think that the whole idea of the the story is that, you know, it's kind of what Kevin was saying is that he does make some stupid decisions that sets off a chain reaction. Of I'm just saying if she wants to die, things. then help her. Then if she wants to die, then help her out. You know, like she doesn't want to keep going. <laughs> yeah, that's easy enough. I, yeah, I know. You, you just got to you just got to completely destroy the body to get that to happen. But, yeah, we, he can make that happen in the sewer. Uh, so, so once the the little Debbie cakes didn't work to satisfy the hunger, that should have been it. Right. <laughs> You would think. Like, you would let think me so. eat these snowballs. Yeah. <laughs> right. They also brought in the uh, the element of the bite turning people into zombies in this film, too. They, they they broke a few rules for the other two movies in this movie. The bite turning. And remember the, the convenience store clerk that gets shot in the, in the forehead by mm-hmm. the police? Mm-hmm. He shouldn't have came back. He was brain dead. Well, well, they yeah. can come back without brains in in this series, but he right? Wasn't in the, he wasn't in the in the trucks, and yeah, but she ate him. <laughs> All right. So I guess that's breaking that rule. To, that's that part of that rule yeah. is she does eat, she does eat part of his brain. So um, that's enough to bring him back. Because yeah, they show the saliva. They show the saliva in the beginning <laughs> no. of the movie going into the technician's head. <laughs> Remember, you hear like it's it's making the fizzle sound. He falls yeah. over. I mean, I'm, I mean, I told you I was only like half paying attention to this movie. I decided it would be a good time to shop for a comforter while (laughs) I was watching it. (laughs) She she was really into it guys. Um, 
And I appreciate. Did you find the comforter you look you were looking for? No. That's even more disappointing. Well, then, boy, what a waste of time this whole thing was. The whole you. afternoon was a big waste. <laughs> well, I appreciate you watching the film that you otherwise wouldn't have watched uh, without us prompting you to do it. But I'm sorry you didn't like it. Uh, but yeah. Kevin, what are your thoughts on the film? You haven't really said anything about the movie. Yeah, I like it. It's I like it way better in part two. I know you like part two. Oh, yeah, much yeah, better in part two. Way better in part two. <laughs> Look at him. You shut your mouth, Kevin. <laughs> uh, I, I can concede. Oh, well, I can concede that part two does not suck. Okay, I can concede that part two is not the wow. the uh, the strongest entry of the original trilogy, but. Uh, it is far better than four and five are, and I don't think anybody. Well, could, what isn't really? I, I mean, mean you know, could disagree with they're that. Not really, movies. Um, it's fair, but um, you know, part. I'm always gonna have a soft spot for part two because part two was to me, uh, it's in line with something like Monster Squad, where I was a kid who was really into horror movies, and the movie had a kid who was fighting off monsters, and in my brain, my adolescent brain. I was putting myself in that kid's shoes, you know, and, and, and it, it made more sense, you know, and um, part two was more fun and more accessible to me as a child. So I grew up with that, you know, that attachment to it. And I, I it's also I think, too, if I had seen it when I was younger and maybe taken some time away from it, I probably could see more of the negative aspects of it. But it's it is a film that I was a constant. I had it all the time. I had it on DHS growing up. I had the shitty dvd i had a uh, a bootleg copy where somebody restored the theatrical music to the dvd picture for a long time and that was my version that i watched because i hated uh i still hate the fucking the temp score version that um that well you know yeah, that's pretty terrible oh god it was so awful um and i i fucking love the directors this is how much ken wiederhorn in 2004 d- still didn't care about that film he's on the commentary going so I've read on online that some fans have said that this version of the film has a different score. And I think they're right. And he just, <laughs> he just didn't even, this is like 45 minutes into the fucking movie too. It's like, you just now picked up on the fact that the whole score is different. That's wonderful. Uh, so that's how much he really cared. Um, and I, I, can I, I just say one, can I just say one thing though? If you're going to defend return of the living dead too, don't compare it to four and five. That that's ridiculous. That's that's kind of a cheap way. There's out of a it four and like, a five. There is, oh, yeah. well, and fine. it's in the same <laughs> franchise. So I can I can yeah, absolutely I know it's in the compare same franchise. But that's like saying, uh, you know what? I think this stale piece of bread is better than getting shot in the face twice. Well, it's like, well, yeah. Well, of course, yeah. But I mean, I'm I'm yeah. I'm not. It's not like I'm saying, you know, Return of the Living Dead Part Two is better than than day of the dead too which is a completely different franchise i'm staying in the parameters that it's part of the same franchise and it's not to me whether those movies are or as awful as they are not they're still part of this franchise so doesn't you know i'm, I'm not going far to find a, a comparison um on, well, anyway we've gotten kind of off topic here on well the, we're still talking about return of the living dead it's fine that's it's got a love story in there too why not uh anyway um so yeah but anyway in 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 my my i will continue to champion return of the living dead part two as long as i have breath in my body so uh <laughs> and uh that is turning 35 this year for you folks who are keeping track so maybe there'll be some Ugh. fun 35th so anniversary old. stuff 
I'm turning thirty-five tomorrow. These days. Yeah. The oh, you're turning thirty-five tomorrow, Mel. Tomorrow. Oh, that's oh. great. Good for you. All right. You were born the year this movie came out. Yeah. It actually came out this month, I believe. It came out in uh, the same day. January fourteenth, <laughs> I want to say, was when it came. Okay, out. no, so ten days before. Yeah. Before mm-hmm. me. Yeah, this would have been about the time Fellowship would have been sitting in the theater watching it, going, "God, this movie sucks." So, um, pretty much. But uh, but that's o- that's okay. That's okay. I still love it. I would have been fifteen. Yep, you're older than dirt. All right, let's move on. Um, <laughs> so you like Return? Of, you like Return of the Living Dead three, Kevy? <laughs> Uh, yeah, I like it. Okay. Good, good, good. All right. So let's talk about My Bloody Valentine. That's kind of like the elephant in the room. Let's talk about both versions of My Bloody Valentine. Because that movie... I have a very strange past with this. the first film. I, I saw the original My Bloody Valentine because of an article in Fangoria where Quentin Tarantino was praising this movie. Saying how it's the best slasher from the 80s. It should have gotten a number of sequels, yada, yada, yada. And I was like, oh, man, okay, well, I got to fucking see this. I mean, you know, this is Quentin Tarantino, man. Like, he's one of the best filmmakers in the world right now. And then I watched this movie, and I went, he must have been on drugs. This is terrible. <laughs> I fucking hate oh, it. you don't like I, it? I hated it then. I really, I really despised. I didn't hate it. I despised it, Kevin. I thought it was awful. Um... You know, and it's something that I still contend with with the film. I you couldn't didn't like understand. all the Canadians. No, well, here's my I'm problem. I'm so, with it. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> here's my problem with it. It is a bunch of thirty-somethings who are playing thirty-somethings, behaving like teenagers. These are blue-collar, working-class people who are obsessed with having a Valentine's Day party. When I'm like, I feel like this is something you could all just do at home. Like, don't you yeah. all have homes? But they Why live are you in all Valentine's hung up on this party? <laughs> they live in Valentine Bluffs. Well, good for it's them. They grew deal. up without the shit because Harry Warden murdered everybody many years prior. So these people weren't even alive. Well, actually, technically they were. They were children when this happened, I guess. Spoiler alert. Um, that does come into play later. And then, like, but I'm just like, you guys are in your fucking 30s. Like, and then, like, they decide to have the party at work. Like you want to bring it to where you work? Like it's. it's just... I'm not gonna lie. I thought it looked very fun when they were like, "Woo, let's take the little mine shaft roller coaster." Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That, what the hell was that all about? Like yeah, that looked know. really fun. Like no. that looked pretty fun. No, there was so much. In this I would that do I, that. I, well, of course you would. You 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 would. You know, I definitely would have died in that movie because I'd be like, "Yeah, let's take the little mine shaft coaster down." <laughs> A mine shaft roller coaster and an actual mine shaft. There, that doesn't end well at all. And then let's go <laughs> so do it in the mine how shaft. How do you think that breaks? It doesn't. <laughs> so it wasn't. It's just, <laughs> that's it. It's over. <laughs> dead. It wasn't until uh, a long time after I saw it that I, I saw it again. And I think it was the Lionsgate DVD when they were screaming it was uncut. And I remember thinking, well, Gore has to make this better. So, <laughs> um, and then I watched it. I still didn't love it. I was just kind of like, oh, yeah, it's still pretty terrible. But the gore did help. Uh, and then I watched it with a group of friends, and they all loved it. They all, had, you know, they had never seen the uncut version, so this was, like, their first time seeing it. But they, had, you know, they loved the movie previously cut. And it was like they had a huge party. They were laughing. They were yucking it up, and they were just, you know, they were having a great time with it. And 
that made me that made it click for me it's like oh okay this is just supposed to be a fun stupid party i'm putting it's like a movie that's meant to be watched with other people and yeah. not just by yourself yeah and since then i've grown an appreciation for it and uh um i won't say that i love it but i like it a lot more than i did when i first saw it so oh, which uh I th- do you prefer the original or the remake the remake i will say that i do watch the remake more the remake is actually is super fun. It's like one of the few remakes that I actually really enjoy. The remake has Tom Atkins in it, man. Yeah, that's all yeah. you need. Yeah. yeah, that was all I required for me. Yeah. Was it has Tom, Tom Atkins, Atkins, and I get to see Todd Farmer's butt. I mean, I was happy. Well, I mean, you can see that in any movie written by Todd Farmer. I mean, that's an excuse for me to watch him. I was really surprised the remake didn't get a sequel. Because uh, it did really well. You it know... Did, you know I think it's the same reason that this one didn't, because I think the original did pretty good too, right? I don't yeah, think it, it did, it did it amazing, well but it, yeah. um, the problem I, I think with both of them is it's not Harry Warden killing people. They both have that plot twist where it's actually somebody else. Mm-hmm. So at that point in the film, especially the original, it feels like such a cheat. Yeah. You know, and the remake, it was far more like, oh, no, you guys just flipped it. That's all you did. I was getting excited mm-hmm. that it was actually Harry Ward and killing people. And then it was like, mm-hmm. oh, no, you just you just flipped the roles. Well, yeah. OK, mm-hmm. it's just because it's not him. The look is iconic, but the character needs to be there, too. I, I think it's for the same reason like Shocker didn't take off. Shocker had Horace Pinker, which was a great villain, but. He's in the last 15 minutes of the movie as that character. It's just his personality jumping from person to person throughout the whole film. So there's never like a, you know, it's like you never really get to have that character through the whole film. And once you find out it's not Harry Warden, you feel like the whole movie, you've it's like the high tension thing. You've kind of been cheated. You know, you're like, oh, yeah. fuck, it's a twist ending. Um, I think that's why maybe that's why it didn't. Because the next movie would have been the other guy being the killer. And what's the fun in some oh, just yeah. normal dude who's like. <laughs> Jensen Ackles. I mean, granted, don't get me wrong. He's a great looking guy and he's fun to watch, but I mean, I wasn't excited <laughs> to see him as a killer, come back it as a killer. My bloody Valentine too. Harry Warden's pissed that it wasn't him killing everybody. I mean, he should have been. So now he's going to kill everybody. Yeah, it should have been Harry Warden. It should have been. I think that would have, I think that would have made a, uh, helped us get a, a sequel. But, uh, well, I'll pose the same question to you guys. Which, which do you prefer the remake of the original? I don't know. I'll, I the remake. I prefer I the original. The re- I think the remake. Even though I do like more. the remake. The, the, I, I think the original film is fine. It's a little slow. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I'm not as engaged by the the story as much as uh, I would like to be. But, you know, it's certainly not a bad movie. Um, but the, 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 the remake, <clears throat> I just like the remake because it, 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 it knew exactly what it wanted to be. And it used 3D in the old tacky goofy way mm. which is throwing shit at the camera yeah. like Tom it was pretty, de- it was pretty decent off, 3d you know yeah from what i understand it was i mean i can't see it but um yeah. at the end of the day it, it was it, i enjoyed the movie it was fun it had its it had some uh, good sequences in it and the uh performances were a lot of fun i mean it knew exactly how silly it was yeah and um it gave you all the goods all the sex and blood and fun and you know, I couldn't argue with it. Yeah. yeah. And Kevin, you prefer the original? I do. Maybe it's nostalgia because I grew up with it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Not sure, but I do prefer the original. So did you see the original when you were really young? 
Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I grew up so watching that movie. Mm, yeah. But I saw it. Maybe my impression of the first one would be different if I hadn't seen it in the middle of seeing every other slasher movie that was out mm. at the time. Because I was just gobbling up stuff left that's and what, right. That's what I was, yeah. And so it's just like, <clears throat> okay, which two am I renting this week? And right. that was just yeah. one of the many I rented. So it didn't, other than the setting, didn't really stand out that much to me. And I got to say, the added gore makes a big difference. Oh, it does. It, you know, it, so and it's not like seconds. Version, it's not seconds. It's yeah. minutes that they I mean, cut out of It's a lot movie. of yeah. stuff. So if I had seen that stuff back then, it might have made more of an impression on me. Um, but uh, but I get it. You know, it's, it's it's how and when you're exposed to something makes a a big impact on how you can how you perceive it. Mm-hmm. Well, it stuck out to me because it is the best, I think, outfit for a slasher movie. It's character. a cool look. It's yeah, it's the coolest one. They are. It's a it's a cool look, and the setting is creepy as hell. The underground mm-hmm. mine, the mine, the mine yeah. is. Uh, I've always been creeped out by mine shafts. I don't know why underground mines. That kind of stuff's always kind of just, it, you know, your skin kind of crawls a little bit, um, you know. And and I, I think with that film, I was so hung up on just trying to understand this group of adults' fascination with having a dance. That I couldn't get past yeah. much else, um, and in yeah, the, it's like um, they're like these 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 college freshmen. I can understand them doing that, right, yeah. Like, but these are like 36, 37 year olds, and then the, the remake very wisely does not do that. The remake, like no. the parties at the beginning, and they're coming out of high school. I'm like, oh, okay, and then the, it abandons it all together. Like the you know the no one's trying to have a valentine's party it's just this guy comes back to his hometown to sell the mine and things start going wrong you know and it's just like and no okay. one gives a shit about a valentine's party in your 30s no oh, that's man, what i mean fuck them up. oh they're fucked up about it dude they want that i mean party. it's obviously oh, I, I mean it's it's obviously a town where not a whole lot happens so yeah this yeah. is like yeah they're ta- um, they're townies they're yeah. townies mel's favorite kind of person um she loves townies people who like to do stupid shit on yeah. stupid holidays yeah it's and that and they, i i just yeah there was there was a lot in that film that i had issues with but like i said as i grew up it just sort of uh it, it, it or so watched it again with other people and got more of a um a feel for what kind of film works. I'm also not a big slasher fan. Like I've never been a huge, huge slasher fan. I've never been big on that genre uh, subgenre. Um, I, I feel like if I like a slasher film, it's either a really, really, really good one, or it's a really terrible one because it's because <laughs> I'm not a fan. So I feel like the ones that I do love slasher fans don't like as much and, or, or you know, they love them to the umpteenth degree um because the ones that i don't like are ones that a lot of people love which is ironic on itself because my favorite horror franchise is the friday the 13th franchise so i don't know how my brain works but that's <laughs> that's where i'm at um so mel what did you, you haven't really said much about this little mo- these two little movies here what are what are what are your thoughts on the my bloody valentine yes, i mean no, i i tell. think I mean, I think you're right about, like, the original one. Like, these people care way too much about this dumb Valentine's dance. Um, (laughs) But then again, they're townies, and they obviously don't have anything else to do. So, um, I think the... 
the remake i feel like depicts people of that age a little more realistically like mm-hmm. oh we have jobs and oh it's valentine's day but who gives a shit and uh oh no there's someone killing people but um and we live in valentine bluffs but um <laughs> Man, but, descriptions of movie plots are so fun. <laughs> oh my god! But um, but yeah, I don't know. Like I thought, uh, like they both have they both have pros and cons. I guess. Um, I guess I didn't love that. Like Jensen Ackles ended up being the killer at the end, but I also wasn't yeah. going to hold it against them for trying to like not do the exact same thing as the original. I thought the original was um had a little bit maybe the ending was a little better. Um, but overall, the remake is probably a better movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm actually a big fan of uh, Patrick Lucier and Todd Farmer. And I think uh, they got a really bad, uh, they got, a, they, they really got the shaft because of drive angry, not doing well, which yeah. was, was a, which was a movie. I remember really enjoying when it came yeah. out and I felt terrible that it did so poorly because that really, that really kind of changed the traject trajectory of their, yeah, of their, pa- of their partnership, which is just really unfortunate because they're, they're really, they're really talented guys. Um, and I think they have, they actually, you know, I think they have a lot to offer the genre and I think they got, um, you know, they got the shaft because one movie didn't do good, you know? Yeah. I I, I never understood that about drive angry because it's like, I thought drive angry was so fun. Oh, it's a lot of, yeah, it's a lot of fun. That was a really fun movie. And then, you know, my bloody Valentine, the remake gets an automatic thumbs up because they put Tom Atkins in it. Drive right. Angry gets four stars from me because they put Tom Atkins in it with a shotgun. <laughs> that's that's right. the rule of cinema. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you get four stars. You put Tom Atkins in a movie with a shotgun, the rest of it could just be two monkeys fucking. I don't care. And both <laughs> have know? Todd Farmer's ass. Yeah. I guess they do, don't they? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They do. Um, they do. I didn't notice that really, but you know. oh, I picked yeah. up on it. I'm familiar with it. Uh. Yeah, I will say I think the remake of My Bloody Valentine is overall uh, a more fun movie, maybe a little faster paced than mm-hmm. than the original. Yeah, it's, it's more of a roller coaster ride than the first movie is. Yeah, which is what it's a theme park ride. That's what it's supposed to be, and that's fine. Yeah. Oh and my I also, god! I wish my bloody Valentine had been made into a theme park ride. That would have been so fun. <laughs> well, fun. I feel like one oh. of the trailers. I seem to remember there being a roller coaster. There's a, po- there's at least a poster where like people are on a roller coaster for some fucking reason, and the pickaxe is coming towards them. And I'm well, like, you're not well, thinking like probably- Final Destination no, th- this or- this was a My Bloody Valentine because I remember seeing it going. There's no roller. Coaster it was probably just them on the on the mine. Thing, but they made it look super cool. Yeah, and, like, it looked like a roller ride. coaster. That's probably what it was. <laughs> but yeah, it yeah. goes like one mile an hour, and yeah, like... <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna get you. <laughs> I will. I will say too that with that film, the uh, one of the things about 3D movies that really annoys me is the 3D gimmicks that in 2D just don't work at all. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. My Bloody Valentine, thankfully, does not have a ton of those, and the two or three that they do that are so obvious like oh this is the 3d gag are on the mm-hmm. screen for a tenth of a second so you're like oh right 
Okay, it's fine. We can move on from that. Like, yeah, I, they don't have a lot of that slow stuff where someone's holding a cup of coffee. Yeah, in the front of the front yeah. for no reason right. whatsoever. Right. Would you like some cream on your coffee? <laughs> like, no. Uh, but uh, but yeah. So I I, I think uh, both of those movies get some uh, get some love in my book. Uh, more so the remake than the original. But you know, no offense, Kenny, but uh, <laughs> you know. It's all right. Slightly out Who wants here. to see a bunch of Canadians getting killed in a mine shaft on Valentine's Day? That's not a worse, terrible way to spend the <laughs> evening. I mean, there, there are worse ways. Uh, so, a bunch of townies. <laughs> see, I feel like that's why you would like this movie. The townies get slaughtered. My, so, you know. my bloody, got killed. my bloody townie Valentine. <laughs> um. So uh, to turn this a little bit, uh, what you know, there are a lot of, or there's, well, there's, there's, there's more than I'm comfortable with, um, uh, sort of like horror couples in horror movies, where you got two, two like-minded individuals who are all about that murder and uh, death and destruction. Do you guys have any favorites? Is anyone anyone that stands out Mickey as? Yeah, for Natural Born. That's the first one that came yeah. to mind for me too. Natural Born Killers isn't a horror movie, and I didn't like that movie very much. Um, but yeah, that's that's the first one that comes to my mind. Yeah, because yeah. they're they're pretty horrible. Yeah. <laughs> they do some pretty nasty shit in that movie. Yeah. Um, but I can't think of any like horror couples. Chucky uh, and Tiffany. Uh, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah come they're on, y'all. Yeah. They're still a horror couple now. They're dolls. That was too and, obvious. I was trying to think outside and the box. And, and they're yeah. also animatonic, uh, anatomically correct, too, as we found out in Pride yes. of Chucky. Um, remember yeah. um, Psychos sex. in Love? Anybody remember that movie? Oh, Psychos in Love, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Never seen it. The thing with the, the subject is, you know, great love stories or romances. Horror, there's so many that could qualify. You know, we would be here for five years. Yeah, because if you look at it, Psycho is a love story about a man and his mother. You know, well, that's a different kind of love. Mother. That's a different kind of love. Yeah, we're exactly. talking about romantic. You know, I mean, well, actually, it might have been a little romantic. It, it might have been. I mean, uh, we don't know. We don't know. Yeah. Well, there's yeah, there's there's a lot of that in the genre, but specifically, you know, with like in this particular instance, with you know Chucky and Tiffany, you got a Bride of Chucky was a you know uh, sort of a love story about these two and. Then they become, you know, killers together, which now has spread from film to the TV screen. And Tiffany has become as iconic as Chucky is. Uh, yeah. And, uh, you know, it, it's um, it's it's amazing because if you watch Bride of Chucky, which came out in fucking 1998. So, you know, uh, and just like see the progression. It's it's incredible, like how Jennifer Tilly probably just took this role because it sounded fun and now it's it's a part of her life her career that she loves she loves playing the character she loves doing all this stuff and i'm just like man you know what good for you this is great and i love that she loves it because you can tell she's having a great time when she does it uh, she's good at it she is yeah, she's great yeah she's very great. good at it and I, I i would probably give them if we had such a um an award to hand out if we like power horror couple of the year they'd probably will get it every year there would be no yeah contest. i don't know who else would really possibly get it there would be no contest um yeah. and the last sort of to kind of round this out here speaking of um sort of uh 
well, this is a different kind of horror love story. Um, Nightbreed. Mm. Johnny get angry. Johnny get mad. What? Um, <laughs> that's what she she sings in the director's cut, right? In the director's cut, yeah. there's a singing scene. Yeah, in the in the, oh, the theatrical the, cut. The direct, I must have only seen. I must have only seen the director's cut then, because yeah, that's I, the one thing I've seen. Because I've seen yeah. that movie one time, and that scene was in. Yeah, the theatrical well, version the theatrical uh, cut does not have before. the uh, the Johnny singing scene. <laughs> no, the, the the theatrical cut doesn't have a lot. That's the director's. Do cut most has. people prefer director's cut over theatrical? It's kind of interesting. Uh, I think it's a mixed bag. I don't think. I don't think there's a lot of people that think the director's cut is uh, some uh, classic. I don't. I think most people came out of that going, "Well, it certainly makes a lot more sense, and this is a much richer experience in terms of the story and the narrative. The character motivations certainly add up a lot more. Uh, I get much better sense of how Boone." you know got seduced into this world i mean the movie the the director's cut's biggest asset is that you're not sitting there the whole time going what what the (laughs) hell i feel like i'm missing a whole story here what's you know it doesn't feel like a cliff notes version of the movie but at the end of the day it's still not for me it's a little slow and a little sluggish and it doesn't really get juiced up until the final third of the picture and some of that gets kind of repetitive you know there's only so much stuff you can see blowing up in midian or catching fire and you're just kind of like okay and so in a weird way i kind of prefer the the economy of the theatrical cut Mm -hmm. because it at least it doesn't waste time with a lot of stuff that quite frankly I, i think his director's cut in a weird way feels like a first cut yeah, that he would have had he had the the control and the ability to maybe go and do some reshoots and stuff would have been whittled down mm-hmm. into something a little bit tighter, but that still wouldn't have been hacked to death like the theatrical cut was. Yeah, that's that's kind of how I feel about it. I mean, it's a visually it's an incredibly inventive movie uh, with some wonderful characters and uh, it just it's the the makeup is amazing, the creature work. Uh, it's it's really it's it's. It's certainly a distinctive vision, but I think in many ways he went, he was too big a jump from what he did on Hellraiser. I think he went, because Hellraiser is a small movie. I, I, interestingly enough, also a love story at the heart of that. Um, but that was a small, intimate drama, really, at the end of the day. And then he goes full force into this big fantasy movie, and I think it was too much. Because that's what I feel like when I watch that movie. I feel like this is a director who bit off more than he could chew. And the studio didn't have his back. Well, he did Hellbound between this. And, well, Hel- he and Hellbound he was... He didn't direct that. He didn't oh, okay, direct that, okay. though. I was going to say it was a much so, bigger film. So, I mean, it's... And that's even small scale compared to what he was achieved in Nightbreed. But I, I, I guess... And, like, the Decker storyline is really interesting. But it never, for me, coalesced with the monster stuff until the very end of the picture. Now, the director's cut does a better job of it, but in a, in a weird way, because of the, the theatrical cut, he had to, they made him shoot a new scene with Decker and John Agar where he tortures the guy. And he, the, the guy he's torturing explains the Nightbreed for the audience, basically. And it's like, they put that in there to help sell some of the stuff they cut out of the movie. So it's a weird experience. It was a, a film that was compromised by the studio and I think was a bit too ambitious for the the director at that time. I fucking love it. 
Okay. <laughs> I'll just I'll come out and say it. Uh, I saw this when I was young, and I um, I was explaining this to Kevin the other night. Um, I'm I'm I am a fan of the band Aha, and at the time I was also a fan of them. I've been a fan of them since I was very very young. And when I saw the VHS in the video store, I thought the guy on the cover was the lead singer of the band Aha. It looked just like him. <laughs> had the mullet and leather jacket and you everything. You thought Craig Sheffer was the lead yep. singer for Aha? Yep. I was five years old, <laughs> damn it. So, okay. Um, All right. Fair enough. That, Fair was enough. My, uh, that was where my mind went. And I, I, I saw the film and I I really did. I, and again, like this could just be that I grew up with it, but... I never, people have always said, oh, I found the theatrical cut very confusing and distracting. It's like, I never was confused by that movie. I never, like, for me, like, I get, like, okay, Halloween 6, The Curse of Michael Myers, that movie's a mess. I understand why that's a mess. I watch it and go, yeah, I I get, like, the meddling here really fucked with this movie. You can tell, like, somebody fucked with this movie. Nightbreed never felt that way to me, ever. Even knowing that somebody fucked with it, I was still like, yeah, I don't. I still think we get everything we need. It's kind of like you said, like it's sort of like the economy version of the story, but you get the bullet points that you need. Yeah, you get enough to be to able to follow overall, everything. Um, yeah, you, I mean, I never was confused by it. I don't want to make it sound like I didn't understand, but it felt like we're rushing through this. Yeah, well, you know, I, I was just, telling Kevin it should have been developed as a TV series. I think if it was, yeah, a t- it, oh, it like would a, make a terrific. Yeah, TV it's like a six-part I mean, miniseries. I think it would oh, have done yeah, really it well. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, but I, I really, and then I saw the director's cut, and I actually have to agree with you, Felsher, that it sort of feels unfinished, but maybe not for the same reasoning. I, they did this weird thing because Doug Bradley plays uh, Carlisle, who's the kind of the elder oh. of the Nightbreed. He's the guy who controls everything. Is it Arlisle? Carlisle. Arlisle, I think is his name. Lylesburg. Lylesburg, thank you. I don't know what the fuck a Lyle. So Doug Bradley. And it's not, yeah, but it's not his voice. Right, yeah. Doug Bradley plays Lylesburg, and in the theatrical version, they dub him with some German guy. And even Doug Bradley said, if they wanted me to do a German accent, I would have done a German accent. I don't know why they dubbed my voice. So in the director's cut, they wanted to rectify that, right, by having him come in the studio and put his voice back to his performance. And then there's a handful of times they forget. And it's the German right. guy again. So it feels yeah. like, wait a minute, like you got, so there's parts of that that I feel like you guys had more all the time to get this done the right way. And it still feels like you guys didn't complete it. Um, mm-hmm. And there's also bits and pieces of it. Like I hate that um, Narcissi, um, the guy who peels oh, his face. Up. I hate yeah. that he dies yeah. in the director's cut. Cause I love yeah. that character in the theatrical in both versions um he's got some of my favorite lines and my favorite bits in the film you know especially um i don't i didn't even know when i saw this what the fuck hoochie coochie meant but that became (laughs) no time for hoochie Hoochie coochie coochie. like i just i i i really fell in love with that guy and and then uh um uh peliquin as well you know uh big bad demon with the dreads you know god is an astronaut yeah Oz is over the rainbow, and Midian 
that's where the monsters. Are. I know. I fucking love it. It's, it's great. great. It's great. Uh, and it's a great. It's a great scene, and it's a great segment. And I, and you know, Decker never. Decker scared the shit out of me. I that mask. Well, I love Decker in and of himself. Oh my Cronenberg god, is fantastic in that. The movie. mask is terrifying yeah. still to me. This day, yeah. I still. I'm like, oh god, like it's and it's so simple. I still it's don't a, know how he sees out of yeah. it. Yeah, but whatever. It's a fucking. It's a zipper, you know, with two button eyes, and that's Not all it buttons, is. Yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> and, and realistically, uh, he should have been like bumping into walls. Yeah. And, yeah. Like, I look cool, but this is stupid. <laughs> I think it's made out of some kind of mesh or something. I don't know what it's made out of, but um, yeah, but it's just like I can't see a fucking thing in this. <laughs> Come over here so I can stab you. Yeah, but I, I, I do. I fucking, I love this movie, and it's a great, um, it's a great allegory for homosexuality. Because like I was, you know, uh, oh, well, sure. well, look, you know what? Before I go any further, Kevin, why don't you? You just saw this again. Again, you watched it yeah. for this episode, and. I appreciate you for watching it, and um, I know you go ahead and tell people what you thought. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna steal your thunder here. <laughs> well, like I said, I didn't like it, but I didn't really hate it either. It felt like, um, how do I say it? Like I did, there was really more that needed to be said about it because it really didn't give me what I wanted. To know mm-hmm. about what was going on and where the monsters came from, yeah, what was going on, this stuff like that. Okay, I needed to know details. Details, but yeah. I didn't hate the movie at all. All right, well, I'm glad you didn't hate it. Um, so you know, Kevin and I actually had a really nice long chat about this film when he first saw it because he seemed to be a little more um, on the fence about it when we talked. So. Or less on the side of he didn't like it. Now he seems to be more going towards the opposite side. Come to our <laughs> side, Kevin. We have cookies. Um, but uh, it's a great allegory for the for homosexuality. I mean, it really is. Um, you know, where uh, at the time where I'm sure Clyde Barker wrote this, um, you know, homosexuals were kind of forced into underground clubs to have to hide their identity from other people. And the only place that they felt safe were in these bars that were you know, when he was probably growing up in CD areas of Los Angeles, they had to go, um, excuse me, London, they had to go really far to get to and find, you had to know about it to find it. Like you couldn't just walk up to a gay bar. You, someone had to know somebody who could tell you it's very much in line with all of that. And um, I think it's fantastic how he kind of hit it in there. And there's, you know, as a monster movie where people are rooting mm-hmm. for the monsters who really, just want to be left the fuck alone like they're just like oh yeah the, the, the you most know. of the humans in this movie suck. yeah it's like yeah. we 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 literally because it's like we used to live above ground everything was fine then you fuckers showed up we had to go underground we've left you alone and you're still after us what the fuck you know and it's just it's uh it, it, it it's i mean i i i really do I, I genuinely love this film and think that um I'm glad that over the years, because I noticed when before the director's cut came out, and I think maybe more people saw the director's cut and appreciated it more. Um, when it was just a theatrical cut, there wasn't a huge fan base for this film. There mm-hmm. certainly wasn't action figures and anything like that. Now we've got you know a Deckard action figure and some other stuff, and um, you know I think that that all the director's cut and the resurgence helped. And there's also the Cabal cut too. Um, which is even longer yeah it's like three yeah. three hours and change which i've never sat down to watch uh from beginning to it's, end i didn't like it very much because it's really unfinished for one thing yeah i mean it's yeah it's very rough um and it's another one of those situations like okay well just because they have everything that was shot for this movie right right doesn't mean you should be in there well so i also read an article about it too that there's a point in the film where you actually forget that laurie's a character 
because she's right. missing. Yeah, she, she's yeah. missing for so long, and I, yeah. you know, and I'm like, okay, that would be a problem for me because there is a, there is a, she is supposed to be a main character in this story, and to have her kind of, you know, be in the background for a good chunk of the film, I think would hurt it, obviously. But what's always curious to me is every year I feel like I hear we found more stuff. I know they always. We found like, more. Like for for the longest time, it was like, we, nope, nothing's around. We don't know where anything is. And ever since the director's cut came out, it's like, well, we actually found another reel of film that has more footage. I know. So like, how much film did they shoot on this fucker? <laughs> this like, this movie was meant to be a mini series, y'all. Like it was, it was a six hour epic that Clive Barker has just been slowly like sending film reels out into the wild to be able to track down, so someone can put together his full version. But uh. Mel, we've been going on and on. You haven't said a goddamn thing about this movie. What, what, what Nightbreed? How are you? Uh, what are, What are uh, you? What are your thoughts on that? God, I go. Oh God, I don't even know well, why I did this to myself. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I don't really give a shit. Um, <laughs> I, you know, I saw. <laughs> I saw it. Waiting for. I saw it once, and I don't even know what version I saw. All I know is that she sings in it, the Johnny Get Angry song. That's the, yeah, that's uh, the director's, director's cut. cut. Okay, so I saw that one, and I never saw it again, and I didn't hate it. I didn't love it. I was just like, oh, it was a movie. Right. All right. Well, there you go. So one of the... I will s- I- oh, can I just say one thing? Sure, go ahead. Yeah, two things. Well, actually, two things. It had, because I was, what when this movie came out, I was... Uh, 30 you know, years old. Shut up. Uh, <laughs> when it came out, it had the worst theatrical campaign... Oh, it was awful. ...of all fucking time. Yep. The poster was a black and white poster of two big, giant, wide eyes. No hint of the monsters at all. Mm-hmm. And the trailer did barely showed them at yeah. all. You thought it was basically a slasher with Decker coming after people. And that was it. But when the movie came out on video, monsters fucking everywhere. Yeah. They completely did the campaign they should have done. And so it's like, what What the fuck happened here? And then the second thing I did want to want to point out, and it's just a side thing. Uh, it has one of Danny Elfman's best scores. Oh, yeah. The score's ever. phenomenal. The score for that movie I love is the score. thunderously good. Yeah. It is so fucking good. And this was back when Elfman was Elfman. Yeah. And like every single thing he was doing was a classic. And uh, it's a it's a truly great score. No, it's a That I used score. a bunch of times in a couple short films I did in high school at the time. So I, I used the shit out of it because I just love that score so much. Mm. So... Yeah, no, it's it, it's a phenomenal score, and, and media even did a um, they did a little pamphlet that introduced the yes, monsters the in Nightbreed. Well, some it. well some you didn't even see; they were in the cut version no, of the yeah. movie. Oh, I know, yeah, they, yeah, because um, it was a two sided fold out. Yeah, and it introduced all the Shuna Sasi and Pelican and everything. Yeah, yeah. And then um, there was a couple of them. You just like, what the fuck was this? Yeah, <laughs> I remember where were they in the movie? Seeing- yeah. I think they get shot at the end of the picture. That's about yeah. It. You see a couple of them here and there, and I, I the, <coughs> I'd like to see somebody take like a hybrid, do a hybrid cut of the direct some things in the director's cut and the theatrical cut. Basically, take the theatrical cut and, and because I like do a the mid range cut. Yeah, I like the element where Boone converts Laurie to a Nightbreed. I think that that right. makes, makes more sense, sense yeah. than okay. Well, he's going to go off. She's still human. He's still undead. He's still got yeah. a bloodlust, and she's still a person. Like it's just like okay, that was one thing I was like, even the theatrical version, like, why did you guys cut this? This makes yeah. sense to leave this in. And then there's no, a it, it it is weird because it's like 
She's just going to be like, all right, honey, you go off and be a monster. Right, and, and I'm going to go <laughs> make, bake cookies. Um, and then there's, yeah. you know, then there's some stuff that I, 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 you know, again, like Narcissus being killed. I was like, oh, no, no. and by Deckard, no. Come on, y'all. Yeah, I there's mean, a famous still, and I was surprised when I went and saw the movie because Fangoria, I think, ran a still of Decker on holding a big knife or a sword or something with Narcissus' head on. Yes, yeah, that's how. And he then came. I went and saw the movie, and he didn't die. I'm yeah. like, oh, uh, all right. Well, they must have, <laughs> they, like, they must have changed that. Um, yeah. I'd have to watch the director's cut again, but I do remember there being parts of it that I was like, oh man, this should have been kept in. That okay, I'm glad they cut that. Oh God, why did they leave this? Yeah. You know, why did they take that's that? Why, out? Again, it plays like a not quite final version like there were two drafts away from the final cut yeah 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 and it just uh, it didn't yeah Maybe but they, i they mean can combine both of them and make one they should just do a yeah. miniseries event out of the and damn thing yeah. and be done with it yeah well i know morgan creek is the uh the big hold up they still for, own the property yeah the, it's a big hold up for that because i know the cabal cut was so this is confusing because it's it's supposed to be an official release of the cabal cut that they could only print so many of i think it was 1500 copies I, yeah i don't know about that well so here's but so here's the thing is like it has morgan creek's copyright info on it it's got their logos on it i wonder if they did say okay yeah you can do a small batch but that's it here's pay the money be done whatever because nobody else has tried to do it since no one else has been on no. like if that was a bootleg how the fuck come how excuse me how come nobody else has fucking done it too? Like no one else has grabbed that cut and thrown it on a disc in Germany. You, even you would have thought that Shout would have done it too. Well, Germany. I mean, I mean, even look at a comp like a company overseas. Like how many German bootlegs are there that go in small little oh, runs lots, that nobody yeah. pays attention yeah. to? As a matter of fact, that was supposed to happen. There was supposed to be a German release mm -hmm. of the more complete version because this was after they had found more stuff, and I right. guess they had found more stuff on film. That was originally only on video that they were able to transfer and it looked better and it was going to sound better feel more like a complete film and then it disappeared it's like morgan creek heard about it and said nope you guys aren't doing this and so it's like if yeah. this came out and was able to be sold i have to imagine there was some legal backing behind it to allow them to do it and it's just curious why they haven't been like oh you know what that actually sold out and it's selling for like 500 bucks on ebay we should probably just put this out Right, the work's yeah. done all they got to do is just slap their fucking logo on it and give it to a company to put a disc put it out on disc and it's done it's out there for the world to to own but yeah. Yeah, whatever yeah. but uh but nightbreed you know i love it fantastic kevin maybe if you give it another viewing maybe watch the, I'll theatrical. Watch the theatrical over this next time yeah you know give it another shot mel there's no hope for you um <laughs> <laughs> and and that, that's not just about Nightbreed either. I mean, that's no, that's in general. Yeah. I mean, just in general. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there's a, um, <laughs> but you know, with that being said, I think that, that you know we we've run the gamut of the romance and horror, and not completely. There's stuff, of course. Oh, not even remotely. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of you stuff, know, like The Fly and yeah, Bride you know, of Frankenstein that Kevin and won't yeah. watch because it's black and white. But we won't get into that because you know. Come on. I'm saying, um, but uh, you know, uh, but you know, it 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 um, it is interesting how often these two sort of parallels collide in horror, where you have uh, mm -hmm. sort of a love story kind of mingled into the horror, um, you know, and I think that uh, they kind of go hand in hand to a certain extent too. Um, you know, there's a lot of horror movies where like people become couples because they're being forced to contend with uh with death 
as a thing. Um, actually, I think one of my favorite favorite moments in the Sleepaway Camp trilogy is at the end of Sleepaway Camp Three, um, when the dude's like, "Yeah, you can come to New York and like you know hang out." She's like, "So I sort of have a boyfriend." <laughs> It's like, right. oh, that's entirely what would happen to like it would just be like, yeah, we almost died. So I thought like <laughs> this could have been a thing, but I also thought I was gonna die and kind of got a guy at home. Sorry right. about this. Sorry. I know <laughs> I know we had I know we had sex out in the woods right, and like right. all that, but uh Chaw, yeah. sorry. Yeah, it's because all these other <laughs> horror movies, when the you, you get the couple that kind of you know for is forced together by the horrific right. elements. They always end up together at the end of the film, and they're all they go off into the sunset together. Like you're gonna live this long fucking happy life. It's like your relationship is entirely built on your friends being murdered on a shared trauma. <laughs> yeah. yeah, this is. Not- I don't know how, how long this is gonna last, but right. uh, go for it. So I appreciate. But yeah, I do like. Yeah, I do like that. She's like, yeah, I know we fucked, but, but you know. I thought it was dying, so it doesn't. Count. But you're yeah. poor. my boyfriend's rich yeah so anyway so we'll we'll, on that note we're gonna wrap things up here so we hope you guys enjoyed this uh this this very special love filled episode spooky love uh, episode spooky love Um, so um (laughs) you know and and whatnot um we do have a lot of really fun and exciting things coming up for you guys this year um we're kind of in the in the thralls of planning our year now um and figuring out what we can do and some fun stuff that i think you guys are really going to enjoy so thank you for sticking with us so long and we hope you continue to stick with us as we grow and and come up with some new and fun things to talk about and spooky things of course um do you guys have anything to add before i i i send us off here horseshack no <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't think we can get any better. Tom Matthews, I love you. <laughs> Call Mel. Um, all, right. all right, guys. Well, thank you for listening. And as always, keep it spooky. They kind of didn't really kill him, and I can't remember how this movie ends.